Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. SB Nation and Underdog Dynasty present the Underdog Podcast. Welcome, everybody, into another edition of the Underdog Dynasty Sunbelt Podcast. I am your host this week, Brian Stone, the Georgia Southern contributing writer for Underdog Dynasty. Once again, joined by Georgia Southern and Georgia State contributing writer Zeke Palermo for this episode. Zeke, say hello to everybody at home. Hey, what's going on, folks? Uh, my name is Zeke Palermo. As Brian said, he gave me an ample uh, introduction. Glad to be back. Yeah, for sure. Uh, this was the last week of uh regular season play for sunbelt teams um some of some of these teams or well let's say most of these teams played their final game of the the uh, college football season um so yeah we'll we'll be talking about this past week's games we'll preview the conference title game coming up next saturday and then uh we kind of hit on all of the coaching changes last week but there was one minor one that we'll we'll bring up and kind of discuss as well but let's start off with last week's games uh black friday uh november 26th coastal carolina visited mobile and took on south alabama jake bentley uh, returned for his college finale for the first time in several weeks. Uh, played really well, but just wasn't enough to to get the win over the Chanticleers. Uh, Coastal Carolina beat South Alabama 27-21. Zeke, kind of give me your your thoughts on this one. Um, this game went to overtime. Those that don't know, final 27-21 for Coastal. It went to overtime. Uh, just brings a lot of questions about uh, Coastal as a team this year, right? They lost their two losses this year. Uh, I believe they finished ten and two. Coming to South Alabama and Georgia State. Um, Georgia State, I'm sure we'll talk about later. But South Alabama, their losses is, were to uh, Appalachian State and uh, and Georgia State. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, not uh, not uh, South Alabama. I'm sorry. Um, but the fact that they went to overtime against South Alabama, you know, raises a lot of questions about this team. Uh, they had Grayson McCall back. Uh, you know, we kind of gave them some grace over the past couple weeks, saying, oh, they don't have their quarterback. Now that he's back, he doesn't really put up a stellar game. It just um, was Coastal just our sweetheart last year. Um, is Chadwell something changed? It's just, you know, a lot of questions going on right there. Yeah, so, I, I mean, I think kind of the, uh, the crux behind this one, I, I mean – it kind of sunk in, I guess, for Coastal that they weren't going to the uh, the Sun Belt title game to represent the East. Um, that 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 dream died last week when Appalachian State beat Troy. Y- you know, you could say hypothetically that Coastal mailed this one in. Um, I, I I don't I don't know that that I would agree with that, but it, the narrative would be out there. Uh, South Alabama, like I said, Bentley played fairly well in his final college game. Uh, he seems like he's been in college for about a hundred years now. So this 
this marks the end of his <laughs> his uh, college journey, which started in 2016. So it, it just feels like he's been in college forever. But he threw th- for three uh, 354 yards, two touchdowns, uh, did throw three picks. Uh, but like you said, was was doing enough to keep uh, the Jaguars in this game uh, because it certainly wasn't their running game that was doing them any favors. Yeah. Uh, Shamari Jones for Coastal ran for 211 uh, and almost 10 yards per carry uh, in this one and a touchdown. Grayson McCall added a, a touchdown on the ground as well and threw a touchdown. Like you said, McCall just was not, not overly sharp in this game, but I... Uh, you know, I do have to question a little bit like what Coastal's motivation was at this point. You know, all of the things that they were playing for last year that didn't really come to fruition are also out the window, too, for this year. You know, they're not playing for the, the conference. They're not uh, in a position to represent, you know, the, the top rated group of five schools. So it's kind of just meh at this point. I, I feel like they're just kind of like riding this season out and they'll go into a bowl game. And honestly, I wouldn't be surprised. I don't know. We don't know who their opponent's going to be at this stage. I wouldn't be surprised if they just lost um, just because they, they seem like they're just kind of over it at this point. But uh, Coastal does enough to hang on and beat South Alabama 27-21 in OT. Uh, Like Zeke mentioned, Coastal finishes the regular season 10 and two overall six and two in Sunbelt play South Alabama uh, this ends their season. Uh, they did not qualify for a bowl because of this loss. Uh, they finished five and seven and two and six in Sunbelt play. Uh, getting into the Saturday slate of games, let's start here. Uh, Texas State uh, traveled to Jonesboro, took on Arkansas State, uh, was able to, um, you know, hold off the, the late push by the Red Wolves. Uh, Texas State comes away with the 24-22 win. Um you know, surprisingly, this one was an upset uh, from from a betting perspective. Arkansas State was a two-point favorite coming into this game. Uh, I don't necessarily know why you would make a two-win football team uh, a favorite against anybody, but, you know, it is what it is, Zeke. Um, yeah, we saw, as I've been um, I've been on this train all year about Spavadol maybe being on the hot seat. He seemed to have survived Black Monday. Um so, uh, you know, I guess four wins was enough to keep him in uh, San Marcos. Um, talking about the game specifically, Lane Hatcher, obviously they came away with a loss, but Arkansas State, I mean, they're a team that loves to pass the ball, but that was one of the best performances I've seen from him. He was uh, completing passes pretty well. Um, his passes were moving the team downfield as opposed to just chucking the ball, which uh, Arkansas State's done quite a bit this year, so... Uh, Arkansas State, you know, obviously two wins, but I, th- I thought they played better than uh, the result. Yeah, I mean, Arkansas State has kind of done this. Um, they started the season really, really poor, and they've had a couple of games here and there where they've played kind of above their level. And, and this is uh, this is kind of the the water water finds its level type of thing. Uh, Texas State and Arkansas State are fairly similar in that they are not. Uh, neither one was going to compete for the West at any point this year. Uh, so it was just a, a very even matchup. And, you know, it was kind of a, a coin flip when it came down to it. But uh, Calvin Hill for uh, Texas State really, uh, you know, helped. Was It was a big factor in this win. 13 carries, 125 on the ground and a touchdown. Uh, Tyler Vitt threw a touchdown in this one, um, although he wasn't completing a, a great 
percentage of his passes. And the, the one of the surprising things for me is is the fact that Arkansas State had two rushers uh, over 75 yards in this one. They're not really typically known as a team that wants to run the ball very often. But, you know, uh, here, here's my question for you, Zeke. Do you – I know it, from a wins and losses perspective, this really wasn't a great year for Butch Jones in year one in Jonesboro. Uh, I just noticed that, uh, that he's in Jonesboro and his name is Jones. But do you think that he's kind of building something there? Uh, do you think that they can kind of take something positive away from this season, even w- with the wins not quite being there? Yeah, I mean, at 2 at 10, it's, it, it is hard to find. It's about the small victories. But if you go back through their schedule, right, there were certain performances that Arkansas State and Butch Jones you know, they can look back and be like, all right, we gave it a good shot. You know, they they hung around with Georgia State, right? Mm-hmm. Just talking about this Texas State game, you know, they, they were in that game. Um, most notably, they hung around with Louisiana. You know, they only lost that game by one point. So it, not to get into the what ifs or the, you know, we came this close, but Arkansas State uh, is better than 2-10 and 10, or at least performed better than 2-10. and 10. So, uh, you know, Butch Jones kind of – is he building something yet to be seen? But uh, two and ten is not reflective of what that team is. Yeah, I mean, I think I, I said this last week when I was I was doing the podcast with Matt. I think if they want to take the next step, I mean, obviously that whole defense needs to be rebuilt. Um, they're just they allow too many yards and too many points to to really do anything in the in the Sun Belt West. But the other thing is offensively. This is kind of what they did in this game is kind of what they need to do if they want to compete, which is they need to be able to be more than one dimensional. They they can't just throw the ball, you know, 50 times a game and hope that that's that's good enough. You have to be able to at least present some sort of challenge running the football. And they were able to do that in this one, but it's just it came down to it that they just weren't able to come away with a win. But Texas State moves to four and eight to close their year, three and five in Sunbelt play. Arkansas State, like we said, two and ten, uh, just one and seven in Sunbelt play this year. Uh, the next game, Zeke, you were all over this one. Georgia State uh, comes away with a 37 to 10 win over Troy. I actually thought coming into this one that maybe Troy would be able to, you know, be sneaky and, and maybe pull an upset, but it looked like it was all Panthers in this one. So so just give me your thoughts. Um, yeah, I mean, this is the most dominant game Georgia State has played all year. Um, if you look back through and you don't even have to have watched every game, just look at the box score, quarter by quarter scores. Georgia State has had a terrible habit of putting games away all year. Um you know, they, they've had surges where they're like, oh, we're dominant, but then the next quarter they let the other team back into the game. Uh, Georgia State played four quarters of very good football. Um, you know, not that Troy was giving them a huge fight, but they they played incredible football for four quarters, which is something I just have not seen from the Panthers all year. Yeah, I, I think consistency has been a, an issue for them, uh, you know, when when we uh, did the preview for Georgia State coming into this year, we we did remark uh, Matt and I about how tough their schedule was. So to come away with a seven and five record with the schedule that they had, especially early, and the fact that they didn't allow themselves to kind of get um, down after after a really tough early slate of games, I think is pretty impressive. Um, but 
I mean, overall, is this, I, I need to ask you, you, you would know better than I, is this the most wins that Georgia State's ever had in a season in program history? So uh, this, and I, I'm going to fact check myself as I say this, but I'm near certain that this is ties the most wins in a season okay. for Georgia State. Um, however, it is their winningest in-conference season. Oh, okay. Yeah, that um, make, I mean, that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, so historic in that regard. Um, I, I want to just touch for those a little context to what you're talking about with regards to how tough their schedule was. In the f- first half of the season, there was a three-game stretch where Georgia State played Auburn, App State, Louisiana. Mm-hmm. Or I'm sorry, that was Louisiana Monroe. There was a four-game stretch, rather, where they played North Carolina, Auburn, App State. Which, at the time, UNC and Auburn were both ranked. Incredibly tough schedule. So, like you said, to be where they are, considering that they played three quality, you know, should-be-ranked opponents within the first five weeks, um, I don't know. It just make, makes you think, what what's next year? Obviously, seniors and whatnot. But uh, I'll stop rambling about Georgia State. But uh, I, I'm very impressed by that game, very impressed by how they finished the season. No, yeah. I mean, Army was another tough team that they had to play in the opener. And, and like I said, you know, obviously they made the quarterback change to Granger uh, midway through yeah. the year. So so maybe they have their guy of the future after kind of moving on from, from Quad Brown. But um, – yeah, I mean, it, it would have been easy for them to get down after that really tough stretch to open the year, uh, but to but to come away with seven wins and and be six and two in conference play is really impressive for what you know Sean Elliott's doing there. So congrats to him. Um, in this game, uh, Granger was fine, completed fifty percent of his passes for two touchdowns and one hundred and forty yards. Uh, Georgia State was able to run the ball almost at will, two hundred and forty seven yards as a team. Jameis Williams, one hundred and eight and a score. So. Yeah, just a, a pretty much a complete domination for for uh, Georgia State in this one. Troy really limps into the offseason. And as of this point, and we are recording this December 1, uh, they still do not have a replacement for Chip Lindsey, uh, which may be an issue considering early signing day is two weeks away. Um, so I don't know who's doing the recruiting for them um, or, or what they're even telling recruits at this point, but... Good luck to you, sir, whoever you may be, because <laughs> because I don't know what you sell recruits on when you're two weeks away from the, the, the new primary signing day and you don't have a head coach. Yeah. Uh, but in this one, Troy drops to five and seven on this on the year, three and five in Sunbelt play. Uh, Georgia State, like we said, seven and five, six and two in Sunbelt play to, to in the uh, regular season. Uh, next game, Georgia Southern took on Appalachian State, traveled to Boone. Um, Georgia Southern has been doing this the last couple weeks where they will play a, they did this against BYU. They will play a tight first half against a team. They have no business being in a game with. And then the second half, the, the wheels just fall off. And, and that's exactly what happened in this one. Uh, it was seven to zero at half Appalachian state. And then, uh, Georgia Southern just couldn't, couldn't move the ball. Couldn't score. I mean, it, it was an ugly game all around. Yeah, uh, I'm curious, and this was going on around the same time as the state game, so I didn't get to tune in as much as I would have liked. Correct me if I'm wrong, Southern threw the ball during this game, is that correct? Yeah, so basically what has happened is they had almost fully abandoned the option 
um, this year. Uh, I think we got to a stage at one point, and I want to say it was the South Alabama uh, debacle where we just got blown out on like a Thursday night um, when they just decided it's going to be a 50-50 run pass split almost. So the last couple weeks, they had been throwing the ball more with Sigelski, the, the third string quarterback who's played uh, in this game against B- and against BYU. Uh, they threw the ball more with Cam Ransom against Texas State. They even let Justin Tomlin throw the ball more, even though that may have been a mistake with the amount of times he turns the ball over. But yeah, it's been a much more balanced approach than than what you would see from a typical Georgia Southern team. But I, I mean, I think that's what we're going to see when Clay Helton comes in and gets his offense installed. Right. So, yeah, I mean, it, like I said, it, this one was close uh, at half and then uh, Georgia Southern just couldn't move the football uh they looked like they were ready to go home and just be done with this season um i actually hosted a a a twitter space on uh saturday night after this game and we actually had a current georgia southern player come in and and take questions during this game so that was that was interesting or after this game rather that that was interesting just to get the kind of insight on the team and and what the mindset was he he said that he's uh they're they're all just ready for to put this season behind him, get Clay Hilton in there, get his offense installed. They want to r- throw the ball more and be more uh, aggressive, but also be less predictable. So right. we'll, we'll see if that happens. Um, Appalachian State uh, moves to 10 and two this season, seven and one in Sunbelt play. Georgia Southern ends their year three and nine and two and six in Sunbelt play. Um, the final game of the night, uh, Louisiana holds off UL Monroe. Um, Except for last, I believe it was last year, Louisiana just threw the Warhawks a beating. Uh, Every other year that I can remember, I feel like the Warhawks have given them a game, and that's kind of what happened in this one. Yeah, I um, kind of back to the coastal point you made about coastal, you know, hanging around with uh, South Alabama. I'm curious if this was a, you know, Louisiana maybe thrown in the towel. They've long clinched the West Division. They know they're going to be bowling. They know they're going to be – like their season was all but decided at this point, right? The only thing left was do they win the Sun Belt? So I'm curious if this was a game where they kind of threw in the towel. Um, you know – Yeah, I mean Matt kind of made this point last week, and, and you can kind of give me your take on it. And and one of the dominoes has already kind of fallen in, in UTSA, but we were talking about last week what the chances were of them – representing the g5 at the you know access bowl or whatever what have you mm-hmm. um but yeah i mean they're they are ranked heading into the conference title game um you know it, it all depends if what happens in that cincinnati houston game because both of those teams are ranked ahead of louisiana um but yeah i mean they they still had a lot to play for now they may have been a little distracted by the napier news and the fact that he's already you know decided to move on to florida but but I mean, we'll see what happens. Yeah. Um, But in this game overall, uh, you know, it was interesting. Louisiana didn't do anything overly well. Uh, They threw the ball. Okay. They didn't run the ball as, as efficiently as they typically do, especially against ULM does not have a good defense. So I was kind of surprised to see that, you know, they, they split the carries, but, uh, Louisiana, you know, run for 4.3 yards per carry. 
Um, just not not really the offensive output you're used to seeing. But even even if they kind of slept walk through this one, they were able to uh, come away with the win over their rival. Uh, UL Monroe drops to four and eight to end the year, two and six in conference play. Louisiana eleven and one, a perfect eight and zero in conference play, and will take on Appalachian State this Saturday, which rolls us into the lone Sun Belt game that we have on the docket, the Sun Belt Championship. Uh, it's in Lafayette because Matt gets on to me if I don't add that like weird twang to it. So <laughs> it's in Lafayette. App is a three-point favorite on the road against Lafayette. Zeke, give me your thoughts on this on this game. Um, you know, both of these teams you kind of mentioned are uh, they've been playing the past couple weeks a little on their toes, right? Or rather, on their back of their to- uh. The heels. I'm sorry. Yes, man. Can't can't string two words together. But um, something you just mentioned about the Billy Napier news. I'm I'm curious if that's going to weigh play a factor here at all. Um, uh, you know, ne- having never been in a college football locker room as a player, I don't I don't know. You know, is that something on your mind? Like, I our coach has given up on us, or what their mindset is. Um, I personally have App State. I, I just trust them a bit more than I trust Louisiana. I think App State's been playing really good football all year, whereas Louisiana has dropped some games, had some games where they looked shaky. Um, and I just feel like I haven't seen as many of those performances from App State. Um, so I, if, if we're going you know, picks, I don't mean to jump the gun here, but I've got App State. No, I know I, that this is a perfect time to get into that. Uh, I think I will take App State as well, um, but it's not even really for the reasons that you mentioned. I just mm-hmm. think that they are obviously a really good football team, but uh, earlier this season, they went to Lafayette. Louisiana embarrassed them on a weeknight. It was not close. Uh, I believe the score was like 41-14 to 14 or something like that. Uh, it was it was an ugly game for the Mountaineers. I just think that it, Louisiana can handle the Napier thing two different ways. These guys could either get hyped and get excited and get up for their coach's final game. They also have a lot of older players who are outgoing after this one. Or they could, you know, just be kind of distracted by the fact that Napier's already announced that he's leaving and they could come out completely deflated. Um I, I think I'll take Appalachian State too in this one, but I think it's because they went back and probably analyzed that first game and saw where they made a bunch of little mistakes and a bunch of just potential turnover plays, and they did turn the ball over a ton in that game as well. Um, I mean, this is what it's come down to, uh, and and cr- tell me, give me your thoughts on this. It all comes down to whether Chase Price can hold on to the football or not. Do you agree with that? I mean, has that not been the the narrative, if you will, for um, for that team all year? Uh, it it has, but the the difference with the Sun Belt is, as a whole, it's kind of just been a three team conference, and then everyone else. Like, yeah. even if he is turnover prone, like we talked about it a couple weeks back, he typically saves his bad games for teams that aren't good enough to beat them elsewhere. Now, when he had his bad game against Louisiana, he ran into a team that has an equal, uh, is equal from a talent perspective, 
maybe even has a better coaching staff than App does. So he couldn't get away. Like the team wasn't good enough to overcome that. Yeah. Um, but I, I mean, I'm interested to see, you know, he, he played a really good game against Coastal where, you know, it was almost, you know, on his shoulders to win that game. And he did. And then you have the game against Louisiana where he, he it looked like he couldn't hold on to the football like he had coated his hands in butter before the game. So yeah. I, I'm just interested to see which Chase Bryce we get because this is the yeah, I mean, this is a big spot for them. So, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. The- no, to jump into just add a bit more context to the Chase Bryce, Bryce uh, conversation, his worst game of the year, as you mentioned, Louisiana, by far his worst game. Two picks, only 133 yards. And then compare that like to the game you mentioned against Coastal. Again, just really contextualizing what you're talking about, nearly 350 yards, no interceptions, nearly 65% completion percentage. It's a matter of not does he show up, but does he have one of those trademark games? Um, when you look at those wins that those wins that App State should be proud of, their win over Coastal, right? Mm-hmm. Their win, um, where am I looking? The win over Georgia Southern, right? Mm-hmm. Like two games where they played very well. Chase Bryce is slinging it. He's not just playing f- good football; he's slinging the ball and moving it well. So. Uh, to your point about how much of an impact is he, he needs to have a great game, not just good. Yeah, I, I don't see a way in this one that they are just able to hide him on offense. You know what I mean? Like, I, yeah. I don't see a way that they just run the ball 40 times and, and come away with winning this game. Like, even if it doesn't come across from a stats perspective, um, he needs to be able to convert maybe some third and longs and and, and help the rest of the team out. Like yeah. he he doesn't have to throw for four hundred yards to win this game, but he has to be able to make the plays when they need it, need it and cut down on those potential turnovers. Because like I said, he's played two teams that are on an equal footing from a talent perspective with App this year, and they dropped one of them to this team that they're playing this week. So. Uh, we'll just see, uh, you know, even even as bad as you listed those stats in the Louisiana game, I think he also had like one or two fumbles on top of the interceptions. Mm-hmm. So, I, I mean, it was it was truly just a terrible performance. Um, but I, I think they're going to be up for this game. I feel like they're going to be uh, out for revenge. So I, I think the Mountaineers are going to are going to beat Louisiana here. Um, uh, no, I agree with you. I don't have much more to add on that. Yeah. So, uh, you know, since you were not on last week's podcast, I am just going to ask like two things really quick. I I put you on the spot a little bit and then we'll talk about the one minor coaching change uh, just because we didn't get your take on it. How do you feel, speaking of Louisiana, how do you feel about Napier's move to Florida? Do you think it's a good move for him? What do you think his kind of long term outlook is there? Um, is it a good move for him as a coach? I don't know. Florida is in a weird place, right? SEC is a very, as always, is one of those very competitive conferences. And I wouldn't say Florida is even among the top three of the SEC East. So he's coming into a, you know, a high prestige program, but one that is in a uniquely poor spot given their history. 
Um, obviously, personal choice. I mean, dude's going to make bank. He's going to – he's now a household name. All, overnight, he's become a household name to even the most casual of college football fans. Um, so I, will it work out? I don't know. Uh, I, I hate to you know defer like that, mm-hmm. but it's a matter of how quickly can he surpass, for example, Kentucky, right? Or the Arkansas, those mid, those top of the pack, but not elite SEC teams. How quickly can he climb above those guys? Uh, is really going to determine how successful he is long term. How long he stays in Florida? Yeah, I mean, we Matt and I talked about this uh, before the the hiring was finalized. It, it was all but finalized last week when we did the, the episode, but it's been official. Uh, now, I almost thought that Virginia Tech would have been a better fit for Napier. And the only reason I said that was because the expectations aren't as high. And you can, I'm sure in Blacksburg, they're willing, you know, they just hired Brent Pry, uh, Penn State's defensive coordinator today. I am very sure they are willing to give that guy the time to work it out and figure out what's going to work there in Blacksburg. I can't say the same about Florida. Um, you know, they, they just fired Dan Mullen for his first down year the entire time that he's been there. So I feel like if, if he gets off to a, a rough start and uh, the winds aren't there right away, it, it does, that seat's going to get hot really fast. So we'll have to see how that all play, plays out. Um, but best of luck to him, like you said, the SEC even got a little harder with with LSU hiring Brian Kelly a couple days ago, um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, we'll see where where he goes from here. Uh, we'll see who Louisiana gets to replace him. Uh, you know, I, I also mentioned Troy uh, just a little bit ago. There, they are without a head coach as well. So we've got two Sunbelt West schools without head coaches two weeks ahead of, of early signing day. And then the last minor bit of coaching news we wanted to get into um, ULM. Uh, lost offensive coordinator Rich Rodriguez uh, to FCS or soon-to-be Conference USA school Jacksonville State out of Alabama. Um, you know, ULM was a, a fair surprise this year, winning, what was it, four games. Um, some of those games, they, they didn't seem like on paper they had any business winning, and then they hung with Louisiana last week. So um we'll see who who bowden gets to replace him zeke what what are your kind of your thoughts on on rodriguez moving on um well when when rodriguez came over right it was can he replicate what he had going over in uh arizona state or rather arizona um and i i think i'm curious if he jumped ship too early right Mm -hmm. we knew that the bowden ulm project was going to take more than just one season and, you know, you never turn down a head coaching job, but I'm, I'm very curious if he jumped ship too early, if there was something locker room wise or, you know, his son not getting the time he wanted. Curious if it was a behind the scenes thing. But my, my big takeaway is like, I feel like uh, Rich Rodriguez quit on the Bowden project a little too early. Um, I've got faith in Bowden to turn that program into a, you know, a 500 team. So, uh, I mean, best of luck to him in the FCS, but I, I don't know if he made the right call there. Yeah, I, I'm not sure either. Um, Jacksonville State's a weird team overall. Uh, they had a, a pretty solid head coach uh, who just 
parted ways with the program and John Grass, who had been there a number of years and made some headway in the, the FCS playoffs. Um, I, I, the, the part that you mentioned about his son not getting the playing time is interesting because I'm looking at the, the team statistics. I mean, his son was thoroughly outplayed by Chandler Rogers this year. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't really even much of a competition. Rogers had completed like 63% of his passes, nine touchdowns, three picks, Rodriguez as a quarterback only you know 51% completion percentage and four touchdowns to three picks so yeah maybe he's just getting his son another uh chance to play quarterback I don't I don't really know but I I do agree it was a weird move and it was weird to bail in year one when you've had what middling results at ULM I mean they accomplished more than probably what was expected of them but yeah, it, it was just weird for him to jump ship after year one. But that pretty much wraps up this week in the Sun Belt um, from, from all perspectives. Uh, you know, we'll be back at some point once the bowl schedule is finalized. Um, I'm sure we'll we'll be back probably next week and talk about the, the results of the championship game. We'll look ahead to some bowls. Hopefully we've got some other coaching changes finalized by then that we can talk about. But Zeke, before we sign off tonight, let everybody know where they can find you on social media. Uh, I'm on Twitter at Zeke Palermo, Z-E-K-E-P-A-L-E-R-M-O. Um, you know, keep up with uh, a little more live on the Sunbelt news moves and uh, what's going on. I'll probably be, uh, you know, tweeting during throughout the uh, throughout the championship game, as I'm sure you will be as well, Brian. But uh, that's where I am. Yeah, I will be too. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Watch the Stone. Uh, my, let's see, last article of the year is going to come out uh, whenever Georgia Southern decides to hire an offensive and defensive coordinator officially. <laughs> um, so that that will that will be it for for Brian Stone's 2021 uh, writing portfolio. Uh, as far as Georgia Southern goes, we'll close the book on what was this nightmare season for the Eagles and hopefully turn a, turn a page and move on. But uh, again, you can find me on Twitter at watch the stone. Like I said, we will be back next time to talk bowls, coaching news and the Sunbelt championship game. This has been another edition of the underdog dynasty Sunbelt podcast. Mm-hmm.